Hey folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Kevin James Doyle. She's like, I noticed you wear a few different watches and I got you a watch. And I was like, oh, you know. I was like, well, I got you socks. <laughs> Sorry. That and more. But first, have you ever had a near-death experience? Maybe you came within a hair's breadth of almost certain fatality. Or, or maybe you did flatline for a moment in the ER. Or maybe you thought you were dying when you were in an altered state. If any of that brought a memory to mind, you might have a story. And you can pitch us your stories at risk-show.com slash submissions. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Folks, if you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries, if you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a great Gatsby-like mansion. Each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York. Some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance. There's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Now here's the show.
folks. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and this is Friend Zone behind me now, and we're calling this week's episode The Best of Holiday Blues Number One. We get so many lovely stories pitched to us with, you know, the holidays and the theme, the winter holidays and the theme that have a bittersweet or an other other than jolly vibe running through them that we felt it was high time we started this series. We're going to start with a story from Kevin James Doyle. His first comedy special, The 30-Year-Old Virgin, is available on Amazon, and he's got three more shows that will be available to stream in 2024, so look for him on Instagram, at Kevin James Doyle. And here's Kevin now, from the last time that Risk was in Philly, with a story he calls Foolproof. A few Novembers ago, it was about to be the holiday season and I found myself in the the hellscape that can be online dating. And I was messaging back and forth with a girl who didn't have pictures of her face, which is, it's risky, okay? But the banter was really good and we set up a time to meet up and you really should make sure you see someone's face to make sure you're attracted to them and that they have teeth and stuff, and so I, I walked up to the bar, and she was standing there, and she was very beautiful. I, I saw the movie Amelie when I was in high school, and I was like, that's what I want one day. And she had uh, short brown hair, and she had on black tights. She looked French, but she was actually Eastern European. She had an accent, and when she talked in person, I was like, oh my gosh. And so we went inside, and we got a drink and we sat down. And I usually don't tell girls that I'm a comedian on the first few dates because that is a red flag and a deal breaker wrapped into one, okay? But I was like, this is already a lovely surprise. I'm just gonna, you know, I was like, oh, I'm a comedian. She was like, oh, I love comedy. I love uh, Norm MacDonald. And I was like, she has good taste too. Like, oh, I was falling in love within a few seconds. It was very dangerous. And at the end, she was, she was like, hey, we should go on another date. It's going to be Christmas in New York. And this is my first Christmas in New York. I was like, we should 100% do that. So we made plans for a second date to go to this neighborhood in Brooklyn called Ditmas Park that has these huge houses. It's unlike any other neighborhood in New York. And they cover all of them in Christmas lights. And there's food trucks that sell hot chocolate. And so we met up there. And we're walking around drinking hot chocolate looking at Christmas lights. I'm like, I'm in a fucking Nora Ephron movie right now. <laughs> and then we set up a third date, okay? And the third date was to see a Christmas movie in Manhattan. The Christmas movie ends, and then we're walking around Manhattan, and the snow starts coming down. And I was like, this is act two of the Nora Ephron movie. We went to a bar, we had our first kiss, we went to a bar after, and then we're just making out in the corner. And I was like, doesn't get better than this, okay? So my parents come into town to visit me for the holidays. And I was like, I know we've only hung out like three or four times, but if you want to come have dinner with me and my parents, you're welcome to. And she's like, that's, that's a little bit much, okay? And I was like, all right. 
then I'm out with my parents and I get a text from her. She's like, I'm kind of lonely because I don't really know anyone else in America. I'll meet up with you and your parents. I was like, we just happened to be at the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree if you want to meet us there. So she comes and meets us there. My parents meet her. They're like, wow, she's lovely, super nice. And then my parents are like, do you guys want a picture? And she seemed a little like, uh, and I was like, I will. She's like, let's do it. So we get pictures in front of the Rockefeller Christmas tree, okay? And then we have dinner with my parents. My parents have great banter with her and it was a lovely night. Then my parents left and it was Christmas Eve and I go to church on Christmas Eve, you know, so I'm gonna go to church and she's like, what are you doing for Christmas Eve? And I'm like, I'm going to church. And she's like, oh, I've never been to church in America. I'll, I'll come with you. I was like, yeah, sure. So she came to church with me and then afterwards I was like, I, I was nervous to say this. I was like, I have a gift for you, but it's actually at home. And she's like, I'll come home with you. I was like, all right. So she came back to my place and I have a little Charlie Brown sized Christmas tree and her gift was under it. And I was nervous to give it to her and she pulled out a gift that she had gotten me. And I always wear a watch. She's like, I noticed you wear a few different watches and I got you a watch. And I was like, oh, you know. I was like, well, I got you socks. <laughs> Sorry. Because uh, I noticed you wear socks? I don't know. We exchanged gifts on Christmas and then we celebrated the birth of our Savior by having so much sex. I've never had so much sex in my life. I mean, it was just endless amounts of sex. I didn't know it was possible personally for me. And the next day we woke up and then kissed her goodbye. I had some friends I was doing some like real Christmassy stuff with. And then I was traveling for the next week or two for some New Year's and this and that. And we kept together by text. And then when it was the new year, we met up for lunch and she seemed a little bit down. She seemed a little bit nervous. And I was like, is everything cool? Because I don't know this person that, that well. So I'm like, is it me? Or, you know, she was like, my visa didn't get renewed and I'm going to have to go back to my country and I'm just figuring out what I'm supposed to do and I'm in a tough position. And I was like, well, what, what do you do? She's like, basically, I need, a, I need a green card. And I was like, okay, how do you get a green card? <laughs> and she was like, no. And I was like, okay, I was just wondering. She's like, no, she's like, not you, but there are people from my country that if I pay them, they will set me up with a husband. Basically, it's a person that I'll have to take pictures with and show that we're living together for the next few years. We don't have to live together, but we have to get together and do different events and show that we have a life. And I was like, all right, is there any downside to this? She's like, I know people that have done it and it's totally legit, it works. And then you have an interview with an immigration officer and then after you get the green card, it's done. And I was like, all right, you should do it. She's like, well, my bank account is kind of messed up right now and I don't have access to my money. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and she was like, uh, so I need $15,000. Yeah. Eastern European Amelie started to look a lot like Nigerian prince from your email very quickly. And uh, I was like, all right. She's like, I... I I'm just saying my bank account is messed up. You do not have to do this. And I was like, I'm not against it. It's just, it's, 
it's insane because, you know, we did like Christmas and then you seem sad and now you're asking for $15,000. So it's just a lot for me to process very quickly, okay? And she was like, you don't have to do this, but I'm letting you know you can trust me. And I was like, all right, but I don't have $15,000. And she's like, all right, well, that's fine. I was like, I have 9,000 and my parents met you. So I talked to my parents and I said, uh, I'm not gonna say her name, needs $15,000. And my dad's like, yeah, no. <laughs> and I was like, I trust her. He's like, I understand that you trust her, Kevin. She was, she's very lovely, but no, you're not giving this person $15,000. I was like, I know I'm not. I'm gonna give her 9,000 and you <laughs> can give her 6,000. He said, I will give you $6,000, but if you don't get the money back, you owe us $6,000. And I was like, Dad, you can trust me. <laughs> and he's like, all right, go ahead. So they transferred $6,000 into my bank account. So I had like $15,050. And I went to Chase and I got it out. And the cashier, I don't know if you've ever taken out that much money, but the, the bank teller is sort of just like, are you sure you want to do this? Like they know everything. So... I got the money out. It's like burning a hole in my pocket, okay? And then I have to go buy two wedding rings, just the cheapest ones, like steel rings for like $15 because she was like, I don't know where to get wedding rings. So I'm money in my pocket, getting these wedding rings. The next day, this is like a week after we had the conversation. I have the money. I pick her up at 7 a.m. in Manhattan. We drive out to New Jersey to like the edge of the water with like all of Manhattan in the background. And there's just a whole host of people there, all with accents and all playing this like faux, like, you're here for the wedding. It's like nine in the morning on a Tuesday. And they're like, what a lovely wedding that we're at. And I was like, all right, we get out of the car. The first person was the wedding officiant. It had a Bible and all of these vows. And then we all go to like right on the water and I'm standing there and they start saying these vows. And she's like, blah, 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 and blah, 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 met. And they knew it was love at first sight. And I'm looking at the guy being like, who is this guy? And she's looking at him like, yeah, who is this guy? You know, they do their vows and I watch the whole ceremony. And then I see her have to give the wedding officiant like $1,000. And then we get in a car and we drive over to the New Jersey like wedding like government place and they did all the stuff and I see you pass out a driver $1,000 and then the uh, lawyer $2,500 and then the lawyer is like, now it's time for the reception. It's like 9.30 in the morning. We just go to a diner in New Jersey and are all ordering like eggs and bacon and I'm just like watching this girl that I'm like kind of in love with get married to a stranger and I'm funding this whole operation. And so... The rest of the experience happens. I just see her pass off money to different people with these different accents. And after the reception, uh, we go to this like last place and she's like, I have to do paperwork. You can go home, I'll get home by myself. And I get back and my $15,000 is gone and with her and I took a deep breath and I was like, okay. And the next day she texted me, she said, thank you so much, everything went off fine. And I was like, when can we like see each other next? And she's like, I'm really busy this week. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And then a few days went by and I checked back in and she's like, I'm still very busy, but trust me, we're going to get together. And then it was about another five days later. So we're going on like 10 days and you're just walking around and be like, everything's 
And uh, she's like, hey, can I come over? And I was like, absolutely. And so she came over to my house and she, she loves rom-coms. So we watched a rom-com. I don't know if you've ever watched a rom-com after a thing like that, but you're like, these movies fucking suck. These are not good movies. These are fun imaginations. Living these, no. So the movie finishes, we go to bed. We have some more sex, it was great. Just once. Woke up the next morning and the conversation was stilted and a little odd because I was like, how's the money situation going? She's like, my bank account is still messed up, but you need to trust me. I was like, all right. And then I was like, when can we see each other next? She's like, soon, Kevin, just everything is fine. I'm just in a very crazy, stressful time in my life and I'm not ignoring you, but I wanted to see you tonight. And I was like, or last night. I was like, okay. So she left and I waited a few days and then I checked in with her on text and I was like, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out on like an emotional level and on a financial level and I need you to just like level with me. And uh, she sent me this text message. She said, Kevin, it was so lovely meeting you. <laughs> yeah. I will never forget you and your family. I don't know why you were all so nice to me. I was lonely and scared in New York and just wanted to go on some fun dates and hook up with someone and then I got caught up in all the romance of Christmas in New York with a very wonderful person. But for me, it was always temporary from the beginning. I could have been clearer about that. I'm very sorry. Thank you for being a person I could trust. Be well. And then she sent, she sent the emoji that is uh, a single tear emoji, but it's a smile. <laughs> so I sent her back the same emoji, single tear with a smile. And then uh, I started drafting like the, the second text that was like more business related. <laughs> and uh, I went to send it and the text said, undeliverable. Oh. <laughs> and earlier that month in December, she went to go buy a Kindle on my computer and then I needed to like put some information in and then she, she wired me like $150 for the Kindle. So she had my bank information and later that day I got a wire transfer for $15,000 that said, I told you you could trust me. Yeah. And... Um, so I, I went out with a friend and I just told him the whole story. And then when I was done telling it, he said, uh, were you infatuated? Did you love her? Like what, why did you do this? And I was like, I, I don't really don't know. I was probably like falling in love and also a little infatuated, but I definitely did trust her. Like I knew I was gonna get the money back, even though it sounds crazy. I was like, I knew I would. And then he's like, let's take this shot. And then I just want you to shut the fuck up and I don't want to hear about this again. And I was like, all right, easy. I was like, why the reaction? He's like, cause you fell in love with someone, you got your money back and you fucked five times on Christmas. Life doesn't get better than that. Thank you guys very much.
cup full of cherries Nobody knows where you are living Nobody knows where you are Take a bath and get high through an apple Wanted to cry but you can't when you're laughing Nobody knows where you are living Nobody knows where you are You're so far around the bend Risk. This is The National with So Far Around the Bend, the first song that Kevin James Doyle ever sent to his love interest. Don't forget you can find him on Instagram at Kevin James Doyle. Well, I'll tell you, JC has been encouraging me to read on the show some of the longer emails that we receive. I'm always afraid of talking too much on the podcast, but it's true, some of these longer emails are just so wonderful. So this is from a fella named Will, who emailed us several days ago. Will wrote, just under two years ago, a friend of mine told me about the Risk podcast, and I went all the way back to the beginning of what Spotify had, to the episode called Try, which was a super excellent way to start as far as I'm concerned. Since then, I have listened all the way through time and have finally caught up. It's been a thrill to experience your approach and literally your voice evolve in a time-compressed fashion. It's taken me about a year and a half of almost daily listening, and I have to tell you how important I think this project is. I am not exaggerating when I say I believe that if everyone listened to these stories, it could potentially heal the world, at least on an interpersonal level, which I believe matters the most. There's not one person out there who couldn't find many things to relate to in these stories. Also to realize we are truly more alike than we are different while hearing about experiences and points of view that may not be at all familiar. It's such a beautifully humanizing proposition. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Kevin, for doing work that unites people in their humanity in the face of petty divisiveness. Much love. Will. Well, thank you so much, Will. That episode, Try, was actually the 26th episode of our second full year of doing the podcast, so it was fairly close to the beginning. But you're right, it was a landmark episode for us, and the podcast really hit its stride right around then. That was the episode where I started with a straight-from-the-heart monologue about how I was struggling at that time emotionally over people posting on iTunes or other places that they just didn't like me. They didn't like my voice, my personality, and whatnot. And that the whole point of risk is to give people a place to attempt to be the parts of themselves they may not be so used to being in public. So... I wasn't going to apologize for being sometimes goofy or 
overly passionate or whatever it was. I was just going to go on attempting to be authentic as best as I felt like I could, you know, from week to week. Now, Will also mentioned being a multiracial, queer, trans, kinky performer and body worker, which is all fabulous. And they mentioned being a Patreon member. And I'll tell you, we've had some amazing Patreon bonus stories going up recently from David Allison, not the one who is my brother, and Johnny McGovern, and Risk favorite, Melanie Hamlet. Well, first of all, I'm really into, like, <laughs> these more effeminate men, because I'm, like, a tomboy, and, like, French guys are, like, you know, it's like they're, like, straight twinks, you know? And there's plenty more where that came from. At patreon.com slash risk. To say that we still need new members is an understatement. Risk very much needs new Patreon members and for existing members to increase their donation if they can at patreon.com slash risk. And for folks who'd like to make a one-time donation, that's at paypal.me slash risk show. Thank you all so much for your support. Now, in a little bit, we're going to hear from Katie Mobley. But before that, a little anecdote from... Henry Manalo coming to us all the way from the Philippines. We love it when we hear from folks in other parts of the world. So here's Henry now with a story we call Strange Tasting Snow. Before I start my story, I would like to tell you where I come from. I live in the Philippines, a small group of islands in the Pacific, known for lupia, mani, and the longest Christmas season in the world. This season could start as early as the last week of November and would end in the first week of January the following year. You can hear Christmas carols on the radio as early as September. We are a country obsessed with Christmas. As a child, I grew up watching Christmas cartoons like Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Yogi Bear's First Christmas. What do all these movies have in common? They all have snow, which does not occur in a country like ours. We are a tropical country, and we only have summer and rainy season. My story starts on the 15th of June, 1991. The school year has just started, and I found myself waking up at 6 a.m. I ran to my father asking him why didn't he woke me up early like the other day. Then he said, son? You don't have to go to school today. I was too excited to even dare bother to know the reason. As I looked outside the window, I noticed something different. It is still dark, although it is already 6 a.m. And there were white specks falling from the sky. 
I felt flashbacks of the Christmas movies I saw every year. A smile formed on my face. Winter has arrived and it is snowy. I immediately ran outside, looked up, opened my mouth, expecting to taste the cold white snow coming from the heavens. But instead, I was greeted with a bitter, rough taste in my mouth. I ended up coughing and spitting what I ate. Mount Pinatubo has just erupted 172 kilometers away. And that thing I mistook as snow were actually ash fall from the volcano. I ran back to my house crying and my dad was at our front door laughing. I guess that was the closest encounter that I'll ever have with snow and winter. It is Christmas 2020, and I've just learned that I am not going to be working on the new Anblin horror movie. I am not going to be having a job at all because COVID is coming and they just rescinded my job offer. And I literally do not have any money for anything. It's maybe two weeks before Christmas and my friend is supposed to come through. I've known him for 20 years. His name is Chris and every year we give each other a Christmas present. That's kind of our thing. And I just realized, wow, um, I'm screwed. Okay, um, but it's Los Angeles, right? So I decide I'm gonna go work three Craigslist jobs and I'm going to run through like all of my gas and I'm going to go deliver weed and be on weird web shows and make $30 washing someone's car. And uh, I, I do it somehow. I, I probably have maybe $23 in my pocket when Chris texts me and he's like, hey, so I'm in the area, you wanna go and like do our Christmas thing? And I'm like, yeah, like I have nothing, but let's go, let's do it. And we decide that we're gonna go meet at the Thirsty Crow, which is our favorite bar on Sunset. If you haven't been there, like gotta go. The ambiance is the best. It's like, it's this little dark bar and everything is kind of lit by candlelight, but there's dark wood and they make an amazing old fashioned. And every time I go at Christmas, everyone's wearing like the best ugly Christmas sweaters. No, for real, it's the best. Um, every single time I go, I'm just like, I'm appalled, but we, we have a good time every time we go. So I'm like, okay, cool, I'll meet you there, like nine, whatever, we'll go. And I, I haven't seen him in like three years. It's been like a hot minute. Um, his mom had just died. So he was just like, he was kind of in the dumps about it still. I and mean, who wouldn't be during Christmas? Like, um, I'm trying to cheer him up and we we go to the bar and there's like all this ridiculous Christmas music playing and everything. And there's these two chairs like right in front. And I'm like, yes, perfect. Like I got parking, there's chairs. Like we're gonna drink, we're gonna talk. It's gonna be great. 
So Chris comes through and he's, for some reason, like every single time I see him, like he's gotten taller. So he's, every time, and I, I know it's because he was the shortest kid when we were kids. Uh, he was like, he was the shortest kid for the longest time and I made fun of him for like 10 years. So I, I deserve it. I absolutely deserved it. But he's like 6'3 now and I'm like, oh man. Uh, so uh, we go and we sit down and oh my gosh, it's like we, every single time we hang out, it's like we never stopped talking. Like he only lives an hour away, but I knew him for uh, about 20 years of my life. Gosh, just like best friend for 20 years. Like when you grow up with somebody like that, it's almost like growing up with a brother that like, you know, brother from another mother kind of thing. So like, oh my gosh, he crashed every sleepover I had and I crashed every, no, listen, like every pool party, every band geek thing, every high school party, every house party, everything like through college. Like me and this kid did it all like, his first girlfriend, like serious girlfriend, was my best friend from high school. And then they dated for like nine months. And I was just like, wow, I did that. But then they broke up and I was like, I did that. Um, just dumb full circle, like just solid friendship for like 20 years, right? Like my best friend. And um, I don't have a Christmas present for him. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. This is the worst. Like, what do I do? What do I do? And like, I'm just sitting there and I'm just drinking and I'm talking and we're talking and I'm like, he's gonna figure it out in like two seconds. And sure enough, he's like, let me guess. I'm like, oh no, he knows. He's like, no, it's cool. I don't have a gift either. Like things have been crazy. No, it's totally fine. Um, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, I thought you would like flip out. He's like, no, we do this every year. Like, I'm just gonna give you one in New Year's. And I'm like, perfect, like, oh, perfect. Like new year, new me, probably some really nice lotion from like Bath and Body Works or something. <laughs> and, um, and then it was like, nothing happened. And we just, we just talked for like six hours. It's weird because that wasn't really something we did for whatever reason. Like when we would hang out, we would just sit around and we would, um, we'd play video games and like do that kind of stuff that like, you know, friends do, but we wouldn't really like get deep. And for, you know, probably because I hadn't seen him in a hot minute, but for whatever reason, he just decided like, I'm gonna tell you about everything that I'm feeling for like, we probably stayed there till like two in the morning. And I was like, this is strange, but I'll take it. Like, you know, Christmas, like he's probably feeling a lot of things. Like it's totally, you know, it's okay. Like he's my best friend so of course I'm telling him that everything's fine and I'm telling him about my stuff and we're just kind of there feeling things together and um I don't know it's it's just so crazy because it was never something we did and we did it you know we shut down the bar and everything's great and everybody's wearing their dumb sweaters and having a good time and uh, <laughs> we just we stood there for like an absurdly long amount of time. Just like, together, I don't know. It was just a moment, I guess. And um, we finally decide like, okay, well, see you at New Year's, whatever, because we're only an hour away. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna go to my uncle's um, in Arizona. I'll be back in, I don't know, like two weeks or something. And I'm like, oh sure, no problem. Like, you'll come back on 
what, like the third or whatever. He's like, yeah, I'll text you, I'll text you. I'm like, yeah, totally. I just believe him, he's my best friend, right? So probably like a week goes by and he, he sends me a message and it's really just kind of like casual stuff cause you know, it's New Year's or whatever, but he's like, happy New Year's, you know, I'm hanging out. I'll be back in a couple of days. Like I got you that Christmas gift. And I was like, oh, of course you did. Like, of course. I'd gotten him something too, of course, because oh, I felt so bad. I just, I went out, like I went out right away and I went and I got him like the perfect gift. I'm like, perfect, like we're gonna go to little Tokyo. Like we'll do the whole thing like we usually do. It's gonna be amazing, right? And I don't text him back. Like I just, for whatever reason, like I'm at work or something, I don't know. I'm just like, oh, absolutely, I'm gonna see him. I'm absolutely gonna see him, like two days. Two days go by. You know, when like in a movie, the main character, he gets like a call at like three in the morning and it's never anything good. I, uh, I woke up really, really early, like that day for reasons like I still don't really understand. And I got a text message from our friend Jared and like Jared and I, we, we always called on the phone. Like we never texted. And uh, he's like, hey, uh, I know it's early. I know this is weird. I'm like, yes, it's three in the morning. Why are you texting me at three in the morning? And he's like, uh, I need you to sit down. I'm like, is this a prank? Like, this is stupid. Like you guys are playing a dumb joke. Like you did something on Discord. I don't like it. And <laughs> um, he's like, no, but really like, I'm serious. And uh, I'm like, okay. So I go and I sit in my kitchen and uh, it's like dark, dark. Like it's, it's three in the morning dark. And he's like, uh, I, I really don't wanna have to tell you this right now. Like I know that this is really just strange, but I can't call you. I'm like, just tell me like what's happening. Like, do you have cancer? Like what's going on? And uh, it's so much worse. He's like, hey, um, so Chris died and no one had your number but I found it and um, I'm sorry. And uh, this is gonna sound so crazy, but I didn't really know what to do. Um, so my first instinct was to text him because I hadn't, I guess, I don't know. I think about it sometimes and I'm like, is this guilt? Or is this just me like trying to like right my wrong? But I literally texted him. I was like, is this a joke? And uh, it was in that moment that I kind of knew it wasn't a joke. And um, we were never gonna do anything ever again. And uh, that just destroyed me for a minute. So crazy because I've, I've never ever reacted that way since then, but I've, I've never made a sound like that before. Like, I just like started screaming, but I was also crying and it's like three in the morning. So my, my roommate comes out and she's absolutely like pissed off and my girlfriend's there and she's like, what's happening? I'm like, I don't even want to tell you, but my best friend just died and no one can tell me why. And they couldn't tell me why because it turned out that he died across state lines, and I didn't know that that was a thing. So like, they couldn't 
disclose how he died until after the proceedings, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But I just lost my mind for a good two months after that. Like, I just, I would call him, like, every single day just to hear his voicemail because I felt like, oh my gosh, like, I could have texted him and I could have said anything at all, like, hey, be safe, or like, hey, be smart, or like, make sure you come back, or anything, and I just didn't. And then for him to just be gone, I just, I lost my mind. I really did, like, I was just so sad, and nothing worked at all. It was kind of like losing a brother, but then also kind of like losing a son, but then also kind of losing your best friend all at once. 20 years is a really long time. Obviously you don't think about it when you're eight and you're like riding bikes like, oh, someday, you know, this, this kid's gonna die. Like, no, you don't think about that. So I really just, I just lost my mind for like two months. And I just remember like, waking up and crying and like calling my mom all the time. And my mom, she finally just got, I don't wanna say she got sick of it, but she was like, Katie, like I need you to stop crying because this boy gave you 20 years of his life. And a lot of people don't do that. And I was just like, oh my God, like this whole thing has been so selfish of me. He seriously gave me like the best gift ever. He gave me a, an amazing childhood and he gave me every long talk we'd ever had. And he gave me like every birthday party and every Christmas and every holiday and every weekend. I just thought about it. And uh, it seemed really kind of impossible at first to be like, oh, well, you know, he's not here anymore. So he can't give me any more of his life. But I really, I think about him all the time. Like he was just, he was the best guy. Like he was, it's, it's so crazy that he just, he just left. And I, I didn't really get to say goodbye, but we got to spend 20 years together. And I think that's honestly a pretty amazing gift. I think that may have been like the best gift he could have given me. I had a dream like five months ago and just randomly, it was like a Tuesday, I don't know. And in my dream, Chris and I are, we're driving to a movie. It was just, I don't know, something we used to do. We should, used to go, there was this one theater that would just let us in the back for free. So we would go and we see movies all the time. And in the dream, he was so real that I could touch him. Like I just touched his shoulder and like he was warm and I was just like, I was like, oh man, like, I know this isn't real, but I'm just going to go with it. And, and in this dream, I'm like, hey, wait, like, aren't you dead? Just casually. And he's like, he's like, yeah, um, yeah, I kind of, I lost my way a little bit and I didn't know how to tell you guys, but I didn't do it on purpose. I'm sorry, like I fell asleep. And I was like, like, of course you did. 
but he was like, um, I didn't mean to, and I really just wanted to say goodbye. And I was like, oh, of course, of course, like, I'm gonna wake up, right? And you're never gonna, you're not gonna be there. And he was like, no, dude, I'm always there. And of course I wake up, and of course I'm like crying like an idiot. Uh, but I got my little Christmas closure, and now I do this thing every year where um, I get something that he would really like, and I put it in my house. So like, for example, like this little crab, this little phone holder, he would love that. And it's just little reminders all the time to like, you know, keep his legacy alive. But oh my gosh, it's really just like the craziest Christmas story I'll ever have. But I loved him and he deserves all of this, so, yeah. So we did find out the way he died later because of the whole state line thing. But he was driving probably, I think they said at night, and he fell asleep at the wheel and a semi-truck hit his car. It, it tore his car in half. And I was just like, of course, man, Chris, he would go out with a bang. Like that's just, right? Like the, <laughs> insane. And he was just the sweetest boy, and it just didn't make sense. This is Risk. This is Fountains of Wayne behind me now. And we just heard from Katie Mobley. Such a heartfelt, 
story. And, you know, with a recent loss of a friend of ours, Kenny DeForest, this year, you know, we're feeling it. We can relate on some level. There's nothing more disorienting than when someone passes unexpectedly, right? And before that, Henry Manalo. That was so sweet, the story that he shared all the way from Philippines. Folks, January is an unusually busy month for us. Well, not unusually. Every January is very busy for us. But listen, against all odds, we are starting off 2024, pulling out all the stops. Risk is live in L.A., on January 16th, then live in San Francisco with an all-star cast. On January 19th, folks from Reno 911, Veep, Arrested Development, The Daily Show, and more. That's January 19th in San Francisco. Then on January 21st, Risk presents What's Your Story, a curated social event where I guide everyone in the room to break into pairs and into small groups to share little stories with each other. An amazing way to meet people and learn a thing or two about connecting with others. And finally, on January 25th, Risk is back in New York. Now, where can you find this information any and every time? You wanna learn what we're doing live? Always at risk-show.com slash live. We'll be right back. We're back. Folks, on Thursday, we have something super special. The best of risk New Year's stories. Number one, you know you're in that, holy shit, what will this year bring? <laughs> place right now well we've got three very funny stories about people starting out their new years maybe even more messily than you started this one but that's thursday and folks today's the day take a risk the snow is coming down on our new england town 